Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Praise God. And for those of you that are wondering about offering, uh, we are still doing that a little different and they uh, will be collecting at the doors as you leave this morning or you can put them in the, uh, uh, the little boxes in the foyer there uh, on either side of the door. Um, and we sure appreciate your faithful giving and good morning again to all of you and what a what a great crowd on a July 4th holiday weekend. I was thinking it might just be me and about five other people here, but thank you all for showing up. So this is who didn't get to the town, right? Uh, me included. So we are here together. God is doing great things and welcome to everyone that is watching us right now. Uh, on our live stream, and God has a great word. Uh, having the benefit of being around for a few years in my life, and especially being in church uh, practically all of those years, uh, every one of those years, my mother made sure of that when I was just a, a baby and, and on up. Uh, the subject of the return of Christ and how the end times will go is a very popular one and has been for thousands of years and, and one that comes up regularly, especially during times of, of crisis and chaos. And how many of you would agree with me we're kind of in one of those times right now? Everything's a little bit just kind of wild and crazy and, and, and wide open. And, and so it, it begs the question, is this the end as, as we know it? And, and if so... What, what, what does that mean and what does all of that look like? Well, you're here on a great Sunday, but then again, every Sunday is a, there you go, because we get to be together as a family of God. And, and, but today we're kicking off a, a brief four-week study uh, that will not have all the answers by any means on how all the end times things shake out, but we are going to definitely talk about the big answers and, 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 the, and the answers that we know. And, and we're going to walk through some major points of what's going to be happening as the end uh, arrives and, and eternity begins for all of us. And we're going to be mainly looking at the book of Revelation, but also looking at Scripture uh, all throughout the Bible. Because as most of you realize, this incredible book contains 66 Holy Spirit-inspired written many books that all tie together and they all point to one thing and that is what? Jesus our King. Amen? Everything in the book points to Him and to His love for us. So I love what Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 tells us to, uh, to jump into right here off the bat. It says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds. Who's He? Jesus. Behold, Jesus is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will well on account of him. Even so, amen. Wow. What a powerful statement right there in chapter 1 of Revelation. And today, we want to start out by building a foundation. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to kind of camp out there. And we're going to build this foundation for those of you that may say, well, you know, I'm not really a Christian, whether you're watching or in this room, and, and maybe I'm not much of a Bible person, or I'm not very religious, or I'm not a church goer, or whatever you may term it. You may look at what we're saying today, and, and you might be thinking to yourself, this is kind of some strange stuff. And maybe you've heard about some of this, probably so, unless you've been hiding out under a rock because end times, as I said, has always been a very popular subject and all kinds of things that we've heard and seen and read and, and kind of know and some of the things we kind of wonder about. And so you might be thinking to yourself, if you're that kind of person, this is, this is some strange stuff. 
And I just want to I just want to confirm that right now. It, it is kind of some strange stuff, right? I mean, how many of you agree with that? Say, yeah, I, I'm tracking with you, Pastor. I've always thought it's kind of weird. And I think one of the reasons why it is so strange and alien and different to us is because here's something that a lot of people just don't really think about quite often, and that is this. We are spiritual beings living in a natural world for a while. Is that not true? However, and look at me right now, don't miss this. What we tend to do is focus on the natural more so than anything else. More so than the spiritual part of life, which is by far the most important part of life because the spirit man is going to live for how long? Forever. The natural is going to live for how long? Not very long compared to forever. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So, so what happens is when we don't focus on the spiritual, we don't learn what, what, what it's all about, what, what beyond this natural realm is all about and what is to come in the days ahead, then guess what? When we hear about it, it sounds really, really foreign, really alien, really strange, and really weird. But man... Is it real? Period. And it's really going to happen, and it's really taking place, I believe, right now. There's a lot of skeptics who look at these weird things in the Bible, like prophecy. Now, prophecy is just foretelling what's to come as God speaking to us through usually a person called a prophet or writing in his word the prophecies that are to come and, and tells things that are going to happen down the road. And if you're a Bible scholar, then you would realize that about 20% or maybe a little more of the entire Bible is actually directly or indirectly related to prophecy or the prophetic. It is predicting what's to come in the future. And the events we're talking about today are very different, strange in the natural realm that we live in. Just like I said, just like the Old Testament prophecies that prophesied that Jesus would come and be born of a virgin. And all of those prophecies, whether you believe Jesus is Lord or not, you, you have to admit he did come. He was born. It's fact. It's been proven over and over again. So these prophecies, kind of strange as they sound, to the natural man, they actually happen, right? We celebrate something big every year called Christmas. Have you forgotten already? <laughs> that celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of skeptics, though. That, that still want to say, well, I just don't understand. I don't know how it could happen. There's no way that this could have been fulfilled. Listen to me. There is no way that Jesus' coming the first time could have been fulfilled had there not been a God in heaven who made it so. There's no way the earth and everything that we see could have been created if it weren't for a God. I, I just don't buy that there was this cosmic explosion and all of a sudden there was this world and the planets and the solar system and the tides that come in and they go back out and, and, and the gravity that we have that, that doesn't allow us to go whoop and be gone from this place. It's just not so. So there has to be a God. And, and, and the neat thing is these prophetic things that, that God speaks of in his word and speaks to his people throughout the, the generations are, 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 are a lot of times used to, to bring the skeptic to the realization that there has to be a God. There's no way this just, stuff just happened on its own. There is a God. And he is causing all of this because he has everything literally under his power. Now, the skeptics who have been transformed by the strangeness of these prophecies and and what's crazy is that listen to me 
as many of the prophecies that, that spoke about Jesus being born to a virgin in a town called Bethlehem and coming into our world the first time, if you do your study, you realize that there are five times more. Everybody hold up five. Show me to five right now. There are five times more prophecies in the Bible that speak of Jesus' second coming. Is that not mind-boggling? Of all the prophecies that said Jesus is going to come and be born as a baby and, and be our Savior, be our King, born into our world in the, in the skin and the flesh of, of a human being, there are five times more prophecies that are saying, yes, he is coming back again. What should that do to us? I mean, what does that do to you even hearing that here on this sleepy Sunday morning that a lot of you are up too late, as Justin mentioned, watching fireworks explode in the sky? And when he mentioned that a moment ago, and I saw some, you couldn't help but see some last night unless you had your head buried into a pillow. What I thought about in, in that time last night that I was seeing that happen in the sky around me, and, and, and as he mentioned that again this morning, was that one day, boom, there's going to be this cosmic, explosive, unbelievable, unimaginable situation that we're going to talk about this morning and in the weeks to come. That's going to be greater than any fireworks show your neighbor can put on or your city can put on or the United States of America can put on at Mount Rushmore, it's going to be zillions of times more incredible than anything we could ever imagine. So we've got to remember that we are spiritual beings. We've got to remember there's a lot of prophecies that foretold the first coming of Jesus and even more that are telling of his second coming. The first century Christians were so convinced that Jesus was returning, they, they just knew that he was coming back at any moment like maybe this afternoon or, or tomorrow or, or at least the latest on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, that they were just going out of their minds because that their relatives and their loved ones who had already died were, were believers and they were wondering, are they going to miss out on what is to come? You ever kind of thought of it from that aspect? I mean, they were just kind of bewildered about what about those who have already died that we love, that are our family members, that are our friends, that are our church friends and all that stuff. So we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, and we're going to see how Paul addressed this and answered them in their questions that they had. And he says, beginning at this verse 13, Brothers, we don't want you to be unaware, uninformed, or ignorant, as, as he put, about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of people who have no hope. We believe, and here's the essence of Christianity Church right here from the great Apostle Paul. He said, we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring him, bring with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that what we uh, who are still alive, we who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ, get this, will rise what? First, and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, and don't miss this last line, encourage one another with these words. And so that's what we want to do today, encourage you with the truth. Now, I know a lot of people through the, the history of our, our, our lives have, have tried to pinpoint when is Jesus coming. 
And anytime you do a study on Revelation or the end time, I believe that a lot of people who are kind of quasi-interested or faintly interested in, in Christianity and, and, and faith and all that stuff will come out of the woodworks because they're very interested in how this whole thing's going to play out at the end. And, and I believe if you get down to the heart of everything, that the one thing everybody wants to know, wishes they knew, was exactly when Jesus is going to do this. Now, I may have just admit it. Hadn't you been curious before about that? Want to know the time, the date, everything down to the last detail? And I think a lot of people come to these studies and, and, and think, man, maybe he knows. Maybe she knows. Maybe they have the answer, and I, I'm just going to go find out. So, and, and I think really the sad part of the, the reasoning behind it is because they just want to live like they want to live. And, man, it's getting closer. i got one more day to just party, live it up, do what I want to. And then tomorrow, you know, because he's coming back tomorrow at like 5.37 p.m. I don't know why. It's like a strange time. It's odd. It's not rounded off or anything. But 5.37 tomorrow, July the, the 6th or whatever it is, he's going to be back. So I've got to get my house and order it. 5.30-ish, you know, and be ready. And I believe in my heart that that's one of the reasons why he said no one will know the day nor the hour. But I also know in my heart that he said we can know the seasons. We can know the time frame. We can study and understand what's going on and the signs of the times as They've been labeled throughout the years. In preparing for this study, I read over and over again in some different articles and books and writings one thing that just kept sticking out to me. On the scale of everything that is going to happen before the return of Christ, that, that has been prophesied would take place before His coming, on the, the chart or the list, every, how you want to describe it, over and over again, people who have dived deeper into this than I have, have come to one conclusion. It's all been done. I mean, there's nothing really left to happen before, boom, the sky splits. The trumpet sounds. The voice of the archangel blasts. And Jesus steps out on the cloud. So here's the reality of it, church. We need to live ready every moment like he's coming back this moment. Because, in fact, the first thing I really want to share with you as we run through this is Jesus is coming again. And you can stake your very life on it. That's called the return as we've just walked through the first part of that passage. I want to read to you now as Jesus himself said it in John 14 to his disciples and to us. He said, if I go to prepare a place because they were getting really upset that, that Jesus is talking about, man, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to die. And then I'm going to be taken off to heaven. And his disciples who got to hang out with him, they were very sad and they were upset and frustrated trying to talk about, no, just stay here. We don't want you to leave. You ever been like that with somebody, maybe a friend or family member? You, you, you knew they were having to part and move to, to the other side of the world or, or just even two states away or wherever, and you just were, were hurting. And that's where they were. And so they began to, to ask Jesus about staying. And he said, no, 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 I've got to go. But here's the promise he gave to them and to us. He said, but, but when I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That, that And what, what did he say? That he said, I will come back and get you. I'm going to return so that I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. That also there you may what? Be. That's the promise. Jesus said, I will return. 
but you stake your life on this. I will be back. Some of you are old enough to remember a guy by the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger. In that famous line of the Terminator, he said, I'll be back. Pretty good, huh? I really didn't even work on that. I just, I'll be back. I mean, can you hear Jesus saying that to his disciples? Can you hear him saying that to you? I'm going away for a little while. I'm going to prepare a place. Can you imagine the place that he is preparing for all of us? Can you imagine what it's going to be? I can't. I mean, I start to think about it when I, when I have a Tony's chocolate milkshake. I start to think about if this is this good here, I mean, what is heaven going to be like? I start to think about it when I take a really nice long nap, which is very, very rare. And, and I just wake up feeling like, man, I feel so refreshed and alive right now. I feel like I could run a marathon, which I couldn't. But, you know, you just have that euphoria feeling. And, and, and I think about how good that feels. And I, and I think to myself, wow, how much better is heaven going to be? I think about it when I go to the mountains or the beach or somewhere like that or, or even just walk through our town and I see the, the beautiful sights and the architecture that's been built and the structures that, that men have created as a vision and then made it a reality. And, and I see the, the things that man did not make, the, the horizons of the mountains, the, the sunsets that God created and, and the oceans coming in and that crystal clear water that you can see down to the, to the bottom. Not like Myrtle Beach, of course, which you can't even see like two inches underneath that murky stuff, but and I think to myself, how much better is this place that he's preparing going, going to be? But please get the heart of this. When Jesus said, I will return and get you so that you can be where I am, never to be separated again. Over and over and over in his word, we're told that he's coming back. In the early church, they were so excited about the return of Jesus that they actually had a greeting they would use with, with one another. Anybody know what that greeting is before I say it? Nobody in the room. If someone knew it, I was going to buy you lunch today. Might have been McDonald's, but I was still going to buy you lunch. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I would go better than that. The greeting was Maranatha. Don't you love that? Turn to somebody near you and say, Maranatha. I love that. And what this actually means is this. Our Lord is coming. <laughs> Doesn't that do something inside of you like it, like it does me? Maranatha, John. Our Lord is coming. Tim, Maranatha. As a matter of fact, why don't we just institute that here at Connections Church and begin to greet each other that way and instead of saying, hey, good morning, or hey, how was your day, or hey, how has your week been? Why don't we just greet each other and say, hey, Dave, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Why? Because we declare that and we remind people of that when we greet one another that way, and that was their customary greeting back in that day because they expected at any moment. Even 2,000 plus years ago, at any moment they felt in their hearts that Jesus was coming back to take them to that place that he's prepared for them. I love that. He's coming back. Again, Paul said, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those, that's the return, 
He's going to bring with Jesus those who have what? Fallen asleep. And now what does that mean? Does that mean that, hey, you know, it was a long night with fireworks and had a little too much Coca-Cola and, whoo, you know, I was up till about 3 in the morning before I finally drifted off. But, Pastor, I'm here at church, brother. I'm here. Four hours of sleep. I'm here, though, but I'm getting a little, a little drift right now. <laughs> Eyelids are getting heavy. You know. I remember I used to walk around a lot more than I walk around now. And in my previous church, it had these long aisles. It was three sections and long, long aisles. And I would just meander up the aisle talking to people and interacting. And, and I was about three-quarters of the way up the left-hand aisle one time. And, and I stopped at a pew. We had pews. Remember those hard wooden benches that, ooh, it was really nice. And of course, ours had cushions on them. They were Cadillac. You get real comfortable. And, and, and one guy did get real comfortable. And I just stopped, you know, at this particular point. I didn't even really notice him. But I stopped right there beside him. And I was talking to people. And, and I looked over, and he's snoring. I mean, full-out snore, you know, head laid back, mouth wide open. And I didn't say anything to embarrass him or to, you know, startle him. I just quietly slipped backwards and let him rest. Sometimes you just need a nap, right? <laughs> no, it's not talking about this kind of sleep. When, when, when it's referencing a sleep in the Bible in this manner, and there's several other places where it talks about it. How many of you remember a guy by, by the name of Lazarus that had... Fallen asleep, as, as it described in that passage. He, he's been asleep for, for four days now, three days, whatever it was. This is what it's talking about. Those who have died, they're, they're more than taking a, a good nap, man. They're eat, gone. I mean, no more breath, no more life, you know, no more heartbeat, none of that stuff. I think in the, in the Greek, this, this word in the Greek is used 14 times or so, uh, uh, being asleep. So this is what he's talking about. Those who are dead in Christ will go what? What does that signify? One, first. They're going to go first. Now, now, verse 16, the text says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And I love that, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and, and the, the trumpet of God's going to blast it. And if you stop there for a moment, this, this is great, because what I love about that particular part of the passage is this. The Lord himself will come down. People with authority tend to get layers underneath them. You ever notice that? People that work for them, people that do their bidding, people that they can send out and commission. You go take care of this, Corey, and, and, and you run this errand over here, James, and, and you go take care of this, Jolene, and, and, and I'll sit here in my office and do what I do. You work somewhere like that? You kind of know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you're the person who gets to sit in the office and do what you do while you commission others. And there are certain things that God has sent, sent angels to take care of. There are certain things that he's tapped people on the shoulder. Like we talked about David last week. And in reality, God sent David to take down a giant, right? And there are reasons for that because we need to be, be bolstered in our faith. We need to see that a shepherd boy can take down a nine-foot, six-inch warrior giant and, and destroy him in front of everybody. We need to see those things. We need to experience those things. But in certain situations, and this is... One of the main ones ever in, in the course of history, forever and ever in eternity. The Lord himself. Did everybody get that? Because you sure don't act like it. The Lord himself is going to step out. The Lord himself is going to come. I'm going to tell you, every parent in this room knows what I'm talking about. If you hear tell that your child is in some kind of dangerous situation, has had some kind of accident, you aren't going to commission somebody else and go check on your kid, are you? 
No, you're going to get there as quick as you can with as much haste as possible, and you're going to run to where they're at, and you yourself are going to go to your kids. Paul said the Lord himself is going to step out on the clouds, and he's going to come and get us and take us home. Now, I don't know about you, but what I read in that is there is no greater escort than Jesus to lead us home. It's going to be loud. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be a trumpet blast. It's going to be a loud shout. And some people might say, why all this? And I just deduce it to this because the greatest victory in human history demands the greatest shout from our Lord. The trumpet of God sounds. The archangel cries out. The Lord shouts. And what happens, the Bible says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So in other words, those graves bursting open that we've heard about are literally the bodies being reunited with the spirits and then given that new spiritual heavenly body. That's what is going to transpire. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the dead. It's, it's, it's us being called home. It's, it's the reality that death has no hold on us when we are in Christ Jesus. I'm just like you. I've sat and I've wept and I've hurt and I've longed and I've missed family and friends that I've had to part ways with temporarily. And I'm just like you in the fact that I long to hear that trumpet blast one day. And I long to be reunited with those that have gone on before me. I long to know and be with them again. Never to be separated. Ever, ever, ever again. I'm going to tell you, that's the promise that we have here. That's the assurance that Jesus gives here. And then the second thing I want to remind you of this morning is that living Christians are taken away next. And that's called the rapture. What is the rapture? I just want to remind you this morning, the Bible says in this passage in verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be what? We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. After the dead in Christ rise first, and if that happens in our lifetime, and you're a believer and a follower of Christ, then we who are still alive will be caught up. And some of you say, well, that's kind of an odd way to put it. Why, why write those words caught up? Well, that, that term caught up comes from the Greek word harpazo, which, which means to be seized or snatched or to be rescued. Don't you love that, that word, to be rescued? And these two are going to happen lightning fast, I believe with all my heart. First of all, we hear the blast, the trumpet, the, the voice, all that explosion in the, in the cosmic and the heavenlies and, and the clouds split open wide and Jesus steps out himself to come and get us. And then all of a sudden, whoop, there goes the dead in Christ and then whoop, right behind him, 
Us, right? We're praying, Lord, let it be us. Let it be in our lifetime. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. So that's the sequence of events there at the end. Those who are still alive will be snatched away. We're going to be rescued. In fact, there are generally four different beliefs about the rapture. And people debate these things back and forth. And, and there's what's known as the pre-trib, the mid-trib, the post-trib, and the one that I kind of fall into, the pan-trib. So you're talking about, I, I don't really understand what talking about, the tribulation that's going to happen at the end. You, you've heard of that before? When the mark of the beast is going to be required or you can't buy or sell and things are going to get, you think they're bad now, things are going to get really bad. And so are we as Christians going to be around during that? Are we going to be taken away before that? And pre-trib would, would be those who believe that Christians are rescued before that tribulation period. Seven years takes place here on this earth before things get that really bad kind of situation. And then the mid-trib people believe that Christians are going to be rescued right in the middle at the three-and-a-half-year mark of, of the seven-year tribulation before the second half when it gets really, really, really bad. And then there's the post-trib people who believe that they're rescued after all the seven years are complete of tribulation, and then God takes us home. And then there's the, the, the favorite of mine, the pan-trib. And those people, which I tend to be one of, believe <laughs> that it's all going to pan out the way the Lord wants it to. And I'm just going to trust Him and be ready when He comes home. But I, I really tend to lean on the, the pre-trib place in my heart and life, in my conviction. Because the reason is that God in His goodness, this harpazo, this Greek word, He rescues us, He takes us away, He snatches us out of here. He is that good. And he is that powerful. Do you believe that? That he's going to take us home. In fact, Jesus describes it this way. It, 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 it's pretty intense in Matthew 24, verse 39. He said, I, and I want you to really get a hold of this. Don't miss it. He said, this is how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man, who he's talking about himself. He said, he said two men are going to be in the field, and one's going to be taken, and the other left. He goes on to say, two men will be at the grinding mill, and one's going to be taken, and the other left. Can you just picture that? Picture it today. Two of you are going to be out playing basketball. One of you is going to still be dribbling. The other, whoop, gone. Two of you are going to be in a hair salon. One of you is working on the hair. One of you is getting the hair worked on. Whoop, one's gone. One's left. Not sure which one, but I'm just creating some scenarios here for today's context. That's how quickly the Lord is going to come and rescue us. He paints that picture for us himself. So he says to us again, be ready for the Son of Man will come in an hour that you do not know. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is really serious stuff that he's returning. There's going to be a trumpet blast. There's going to be this cosmic explosion. There's going to be two people sitting at a computer typing away. One's going to be taken. The other one's left. And on and on, man, this is good stuff. It's, it's wild stuff. But it's real stuff. The Lord is coming, so we've got to be ready, anticipating, excited, eager, longing, looking. The return of Jesus. The rapture. And then the last thing I want to give you this morning is this. And write this down somewhere so you do not forget it. The promise that we will be with God forever. Forever. And we can call that the reunion. 
And what's going to happen at the reunion, the Bible teaches us a principle that Christians will be where? They will be with God forever. The reunion I've just, just mentioned. So li- listen to what the text says again in verse 17 and 18. It says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And what are we going to do there? Listen to what it says. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine that? Meeting God face to face. To be with God forever. To be with the Lord for eternity. He says that right after that. He says, and so we will be with the Lord for how long? Forever. When this happens, and we're with the Lord for eternity, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but think about that for a moment. Think about what all that means. No more pain, right? How many of you got some pain in your, your body this morning? It's okay. Raise your hand. How many of you got some pain down in your spirit this morning, in your soul? Some emotional pain. Well, the Bible says there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more unforgiveness. There'll be no more brokenness. There'll be no more disease, no more sickness, no more poverty. There'll be no more starving children, no more divorce. There'll be no more loneliness. There will be no more cancer. Can you say amen to that? There will be no more tears. You know the old line in in the baseball movie, there's no crying in baseball. A league of their own, Tom Hanks. Okay. There's no crying in heaven. There's no hurt. There's no sadness. There's no heartbreak. There's no betrayal. There's no gossip. There's no backbiting. The things that you and I are going to say up there are going to be good and wholesome and pure and right and righteous. We're not going to pick on somebody because of the way they look. We're all going to look angelic somehow. I got some hope. I'm getting a glorified body. I am. I hope you are, right? You can. And it's not going to hurt. And it's not going to wear out. I'm going to be able to just run and run and run and run and never get tired. I'm going to be able to just worship around the throne of God just and never, never get winded. If you ain't getting winded in worship down here, then you're doing something wrong. I just want to tell that, that little bit right there, okay? We don't leave here feeling like, man, we had church. Woo, give me a sun drop. I've worked up a thirst in there. Come on. It's probably Gatorade's better for you. I understand. I drink that too. But none of that's going to happen anymore. We're going to be home with God forever. Forever. Years ago, there was a missionary. For years, it worked in the slums of Ecuador. Similar to what our missionaries do in Honduras, Joey and Kelly and Connor and the, the babies. And God bless you guys. We miss you and love you. Work with the poorest of the poor. And they, there was a team that came over and, 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 and ministered with them, just like we send teams when we're on, not on corona lockdown and all that mess that we're dealing with right now. And one of the missionaries that was on the team, after being in this little shack with 
this single mom and her seven kids, and it was basically cardboard stapled together, dirt, mud floors, hardly anything to eat. One of the guys that was on the team just, just ran out. After a few minutes, he couldn't compose himself, and the missionary went out after him and said, it's not easy. And the guy said, no. He said, my master bedroom closet back home is bigger than their whole house. I mean, I have food anytime I want it. I've got all the luxuries of life, and they are dealing with this. And the missionary began to share with him these words that keep these third world believers pointed and anchored to hope. Catch this right now. He said to him, if the people of our world, this American world blessed land that we live in, only knew how great heaven is, then they wouldn't love this world so much and they too would long to be with the Lord forever, just as this family does. When we catch a glimpse of the beauty that we have in our homes, in our church buildings, in our automobiles, when we can go out and basically push buttons and they almost drive themselves and you got heated seats and zoned air conditioning systems and all that stuff. If we could grab a hold of the fact that none of this even comes close to comparing to the glories of heaven, the heaven that Jesus himself is preparing for us right now, I think that we could get a hold of these third world believers mentality that it's going to get way better way soon. My heart and my assignment is to be longing for his appearing to make sure without, listen to me, to make sure without a shadow of a doubt that I am ready. I'm not harboring anything in my heart or my life that would keep me from going home when Jesus calls for me to come home. Nothing. Everything that I'm holding on to of self, I'm going to nail it to the cross. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus and his forgiveness and his grace over everything. How do we apply this today? How do we apply the knowledge and the understanding that, yes, Jesus is coming, and I believe this old preacher is standing in front of you this morning telling you that I believe with all of my heart we are soon and very soon going to see the king split the eastern sky and that trumpet blast and the voice of the archangel call us to come home. I believe it with everything I am. So how do we respond? We live ready. And we tell as many people as we possibly can that Jesus loves them, died for them, and he wants their heart and life so that they can go home when he blasts that trumpet. And we put all the pettiness and the silliness and the garbage of this world out of our lives, and we understand what really matters is Christ 
him crucified and raised on the third day. And he's our soon, very soon coming king. And we need to live ready. And we need to preach Maranatha. The Lord is coming. As you close your eyes for just a moment, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. My first ask of you right now, knowing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is coming back and he's coming back very quickly when he comes and very soon in the time frame in which we live I ask you, every one of you in this room and every one of you watching right now, whether it be today, this Sunday, July the 5th, or sometime later down the road, somehow God brought you to this this broadcast, are you ready in your life? Are you ready? I mean, you may have thought you were ready when you come into this building, but the Holy Spirit might have put his hand on something and said, hey, what about this area? What about this sin that you've kept in your life and, and you're, you're harboring that stuff? Or maybe you walked in here saying, I, I definitely am not ready. I, I don't even claim to know the Lord, but I understand today that I need to get ready. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, if you're on that spectrum, and you would say to me right now with your eyes closed, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Whatever has went on, I want to make sure before I walk out of this room or before I turn this stream off that I am ready to meet the Lord when he breaks the eastern sky and returns. Can I see your hand? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Who else? Just raise your hand up. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? We'll join these. Just raise your hand on up. Thank you. How many of you would say, you know what, I, I, I'm ready, but I understand there's some things in my life that I haven't fully surrendered to Christ yet, and, and I, I feel the Holy Spirit not just speaking to me. I feel the Holy Spirit shouting in my ear, in my heart, let me change those things. Can I, can I see your hands across this room? Yes, ma'am. That If you just say there, there's something, there's some things there that need to be set right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Just raise your hand up with these folks and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's my decision today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. Anybody else? This, this one, one more area that I, I feel the Spirit of God just pushing, and that is this. And I believe for all of us, it's Maranatha. The Lord is coming, living in that expectancy and sharing that with as many people as we possibly can. You say, Pastor, I'm no preacher. I'm no minister. I'm, I'm, I'm not like you. I'm not like peace, God. I, you know, yes, you are. For those who are in Christ Jesus, he gives us all a voice. He gives us all a testimony. He gives us all the ability to share. You may not do it in this format, and that's fine. He doesn't equip us and call us all to shepherd flocks or be pastors and this kind of assignment, but he calls us all to step up and just share our story, to step up and, 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 and give the love of Christ to people and, and to live it out in front of them and to pray for those who are far away from God right now. And if you're in this room and say, Pastor, pray for me as we march towards that return of Christ. I want to live in the urgency 
And I want to live as an ambassador, a spokesperson, somebody who will boldly stand in these last days and tell of the glories and the wonders of our God, no matter what it's going to cost me, because people need to know that Jesus is coming and people need to get ready for his coming. Would you just lift your hands up with these that have already lifted their hands up? As a matter of fact, just stand all over this room. If you lifted your hand up, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up everywhere, whatever whatever call. If you need Jesus, if you need to set some things right with, with the Lord in your heart, if you need to be that one who stands up and boldly proclaims Maranatha, the Lord is coming, would you just stand up right now? And I'm going to ask you all just to come and stand across the front of this church with me as we pray together. And if you didn't raise your hand, but the Holy Spirit's pushing on your heart right now, would you just get up from where you're at and join these shoulder to shoulder, side by side, across the front of this church. We're going to stand together in unison, and we're going to call out to Christ to come and do in us what He desires to do. And I want to ask some of you that are still in your seats, if you would just come and begin to surround these, your family members, and begin to pray with them and for them this morning. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Oh, man. That should shake us and awaken us to all that we need to be about as the body of Christ. So as you begin to pray for each other, I'm going to ask our worship team just to begin to minister in this song and let's celebrate together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for shaking us this morning and waking us up to the reality that you are coming back again and you are coming soon. And I pray that we not lose that fervency, God. We not lose that understanding and that urgency of the hour and the time and the day and the moment that we are existing in because of your great plan. And God, you're calling each and every one of us to get our houses clean, Lord, to come before you and confess and repent and say, Jesus, clean my heart, clean my life, come and own me, come and lead my life. You died and you raised again from, from the dead to, to save me, God. Thank you for that. And now I pray that you remove anything, any wickedness from my heart and my life. You expel it, remove it, God. Set me free and let me be that glorious ambassador that you are calling and equipping me to be and speak for you and your kingdom to those who need it. In Jesus' name, sing it out, church. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.